Thank you for listening to the Cultivate Church audio podcast. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and motivated. Now here's today's message. Can you do me a favor? Give it up for everybody watching by the internet. Can we welcome all of those watching by the internet? which I suspect from all of you who are at the beach this weekend, there'll be a lot of people this week tuning in, listening by podcast, but ever how you tuned in, thank you for joining us today for week two of our series that we're calling Hoarders. And I want to do one more thing we like to celebrate around here. And listen, I think we have lots to celebrate. Last week, two people said yes to Jesus. Can we give it up for the Lord? Come on, for two people making decisions. Because I'm going to remind us, that's why we open the doors around here. We open these doors so that people can find life in Jesus. Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving, I'm going away, but I want you to go shake down every tree. I want you to go down every road. I want you to do whatever it is so that you can let people know that I love them and that there is a plan for their life. I want you to see people baptized. Last week, we celebrated baptism at both campuses. And I'm just thankful. I don't take it for granted. And I'm just begging you, church, never take it for granted or lose sight on why we're here and why we open those doors. And so I just celebrate life change in Jesus. And today I'm excited. I want you to go and grab your outline for today's message. We're in our series we're calling Hoarders. And Pastor Brandon Dawes kicked off the message here last week where we talked about hoarding anxiety in our life. And, uh, and we're going to continue today, and this th- whole thought about hoarding is, um, is really interesting to me because I have a, a hoarding tendency in, in my own life. You know, hoarding is when you hold on to stuff when you shouldn't. And uh, so just for just a little truth-telling in here, how many of you are hoarders in here? Anybody hoarders? I mean, listen, we've got a few people making it to heaven. And here, um, some of of the rest of you, um, you're lying a little bit, okay? So listen, so there's two things I want you to do. I want you to pray about the lying issue, and then we're going to tackle the hoarding issue because I know for a fact that many of us uh, have more than we need because the storage building industry... It's pretty lucrative. When you have to build buildings to hold other people's stuff, that's a big deal. Uh, When you can't get in your garage or in your attic, that's a pretty big deal. But I kind of had that tendency myself because I'll say something like this. Well, if I throw it away, I may need it, right? You say, I may need this again one day. And then if I throw this away, I already have it, then I'll have to buy it again later, so I might as well just keep it. And then many of you have experienced what I have, that as soon as you throw it away, What happens? You need it the very next day. You've had it for two years and you said, I'm never going to need it. Just throw it away. The very next day, what do you need? That very thing that you threw away. We get these tendencies to hold on to stuff that we really don't need. As a matter of fact, I personally knew a real life hoarder. Now, I'm not talking about your garage is just messy. I mean, I'm talking about a real hoarder. He died several years ago because if he was still with us, I would be knocking on his door. I so wanted to, to interview a hoarder and show him on video to you, but I couldn't find anybody to admit it, okay? One of you in here, you're a real hoarder, and you could have made my dream come true, and I hold you responsible, okay? I just want you to know that. But this guy, his name was Aubrey Sherritt, and uh, I met him through my brother. He was an older, retired gentleman. He drove a little red Nissan pickup truck with a white camper shell. And every single day, I am not exaggerating, every single day, he would go to a, a list of stores that he went to every day. It did not matter if it was raining, snowing, storming, tornadoes. It did not matter. He would go every day, and he would collect things from all of these stores. And he had been doing it from so many years, he graduated from diving in the dumpster to literally, they would just put the stuff beside the dumpster because they knew Aubrey would be by to pick it up. 
And one day, because I'm telling you, I love to go through old junk, okay? One man's junk's another man's treasure. It's my treasure. I like it. And so I got to go to his house. And it was like going to Disney World. He lived in the country on land. You turned onto a dirt road to get to his home, and you drove through the woods until you got to his property and horses. But immediately, when you turned into his driveway, there was piles of stuff all the way down until you reached his house. When you got to his house, I never got to go inside, but I made it to the porch, the front door. There was a trail that you walked. Literally, stuff is piled everywhere. What was interesting about him was he actually was an organized hoarder. He would say, this pile over here is all automotive. And literally, you name it, car parts, car accessories, from AutoZone, from Advance, from Napa, you name it, all these places that he would go to, he would bring it home and he would pile it in that, in that pile. Then he would have another section over here and it would be office supplies. He would have pens and paper that would sit in the rain. Why are you going to bring paper home to sit it in the rain? He would. A nice office chair was out there. He had a big grandfather clock that was brand new, just laying in the yard. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. Now, the downfall is that he wouldn't offer anything to you. He wouldn't sell it to you. He wouldn't say, pick out something you want. No, he was not going to do anything with it, but he was not going to give it away. He was a real life hoarder. And I think many of us, spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, we're hoarding some stuff. There's some stuff in our life that has crossed the line from just being too much or, or unorganized or out of place to it's become unhealthy. And I know this, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can take all of this stuff that we hoard and hold on to, then he can try to contaminate our life spiritually and in every capacity to where he can use it as a tactic to keep us from living out God's best for our life. And so this whole series on your outline is coming from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true grapevine. He's giving a gardening illustration here. And he says, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. And that's what this series is about, what's in our life that's on the vine, that's in the pile that does not produce fruit. He says he prunes every branch that does not bear fruit. Why? So that it will produce even more. And this is for those of us who said yes to Jesus. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and what happens? I will remain in you. Jesus is explaining to us that in the gardening world, uh, which I am not, but if you have something of, that is of growth that has unhealthy growth, it will hinder the things that should be producing. So you cut away the things that are dead, you get rid of, you clean out the things that should not be there, so it provides a good atmosphere for other things that are beneficial to grow. And that is the principle of this series, Hoarders, where we are talking about eliminating things in our life, cleaning out, pruning away things that just shouldn't be there. And today I titled your message, Piles of Trouble. And I think every one of us in some aspect of our life, we hoard trouble. We can say there's trouble in my marriage, there's trouble with my kids, there's trouble on my job, there's trouble in my finances, there's trouble in my health. Trouble, trouble, trouble. You remember that song, Trouble? Anybody remember that old song? Trouble, 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 trouble. It's as good as it gets right there, okay? <laughs> trouble been dogging my soul since the day I was born. Worry. Worry, worry, worry. I thought y'all would jump in with me. This is really embarrassing. <laughs> worry 
just will not seem to leave my mind alone. Sometimes I swear it feels like this worry is my only friend. Many of us, I know, because I see your connect cards, we can relate to that. Worry, trouble on every corner and every turn. And so today, what I want to talk to you about it is, a, is a biblical look of how to handle trouble. How do we respond to storms of life that bring trouble to us? And I want to talk a little bit today about what trouble is and where it comes from, because I think sometimes we have these abstract ideas and we're so good at placing blame everywhere and trying to find the source of our trouble. So we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. But I need us to pray first, because here's what I know. Already when we, we say we're going to talk about trouble today and the trouble in your life, you've already got a, somebody's face that's in your head. You're going, yeah, I know where my trouble is. You've already got it figured out. But I just pray that today God can help us step back from that a little bit and take a personal look, a little personal inventory today. Back up, let God address me, and then we can work from there to address the other outlining trouble in our life. So let's pray today and ask for the Lord to do that. All right, Father, what a great day. Thank you for this beautiful day. We celebrate you. You gave it to us. You're the reason that we're here today and that we have this moment and we don't take it for granted that you've come to meet with us. And we know that today, God, there's a world full of trouble. We have lives full of trouble. And so we're asking today that you would just help us identify the places of our lives that we can grow past that today. We pray that your, God, that your word would become alive to us, that you'd open our ears, that we hear it, our mind that we understand it, and our heart that we can retain what it says. Don't let us just be hearers of the word today, but let's walk out of here practicing the very principles of what your Bible and your, your word, your instruction, God, the lamp to our feet would tell us to do. We'll follow it in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk about trouble a little bit. I got some extras. These are just things you can write down in the margins or the note sheet of your outline. And I'm talk about some of the sources of trouble because we all have already you've got that thing in front of your face of why we have trouble in our life but the first one I would say as a source of trouble is ourselves and I think we ought to write that down because I think that seems elementary but we, we always want to go to somebody else first we are the source of a lot of our trouble a lot of things that you and I are dealing with are nothing more than consequences of decisions we've made or actions that we've taken we tend to think, and I want to apologize for the church as a whole, not this local place, but I mean as the church, that we've painted this picture of Jesus, that he's a genie in the bottle, that you, you get three wishes and you just say what you want, and as soon as you say yes to him, then everything else vanishes and goes away. But the reality is, what I choose today, I will reap tomorrow. It is a biblical principle of sowing and reaping. So if I sow something today, I will reap it tomorrow. So sometimes the things that I'm facing are literally either myself. And I like, to, I like to hear people sometimes. And I like to hear what people say, the things that they're going through, and, and all the reasoning as to why they're going through it. And I'm thinking, I think one of the main things we're missing here, a common thread, is you. Eric <laughs> said, look, I went to this job, and it was just awful. The people were awful. And I went to this job, and it was trouble there. And so I moved to this other job, and I just can't find people that are normal. And I'm thinking, let's see. This job, this job, this job, what is all, they're all different places and, and employers. The only thing that's common is you. I think you could be the source of some of your problems. And I am no different. My trouble, oftentimes, it tends to follow me. It is oftentimes because of me. So today, if you're facing some trouble and you're dealing with difficulty, maybe just ask yourself, could I possibly, as crazy as that sounds, could I be a contributing factor to the trouble that is in my life? 
Very rarely are there two people with differing opinions that you sit down and talk to and you learn that they're both not contributing in some way to the trouble that they are experiencing. Trouble comes from ourselves. And then I also realize another area that trouble would come from is from others. Trouble does come from other people. We deal with difficult people. We don't like everybody. We love everybody, but we certainly don't like everybody. That's okay. I just set somebody free here today because you've been struggling with that. You thought, I don't like them. Should I like them? Do I have to like them? No, you don't have to like them. You know, Jesus, um, you know, I, I doubt Judas was his favorite person, but Jesus still washed his feet, didn't he? But I doubt he was probably the tops on the list. As a matter of fact, when Jesus got away with some of the disciples in a smaller group, I never saw Judas in the list of those people that he was hanging out with because other people are sources of problems. And then the third thing I think about is our circumstances. There are circumstances, again, that goes back to what I created. It is from other people. And then oftentimes, it's just the, 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 the cards that were dealt. It's just literally what we've been given. Listen, we live in a sin-fallen world. That's an update that we don't need to forget. We live in a sin-fallen place. It's sinful. And because of that, we will experience problems. We will have trouble. We will have to deal with stuff that we go, this is, this is not fair. Well, life is not fair. It's, it's sinful, and it's not fair. And the reality is, I often think of people in this life, when I see people who are hurting or in really difficult scenarios that they were born into, I often say, God, you know what? I didn't have the perfect home life. I didn't have the perfect upbringing. But you know what? God, I could have been in that circumstance. The only difference in me and you is where you were born and the circumstance that you inherited and the list of things that you had to overcome that I did not. And so I understand that trouble comes from a lot of different places, but I also understand some things about trouble and the storms that they bring. And I think this is a process that maybe you ought to write down. It's, it's really important is that if storms are inevitable. That's an extra, but I think we all need to understand that. Write that somewhere on your outline. It's inevitable. You're either walking out of a storm or you're walking into a storm. And in that brief moment between, thank God that you've got a breath of fresh air because it's on the way. They are inevitable. You will face something. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much you know the Bible. I don't care how much you worship. You will face a storm. Hear me today. Somebody's discouraged by that. You said, I thought Jesus was going to keep me from the storm. Well, the Bible teaches us differently. We're going to see it today. You will walk into storms. It's inevitable, and they are unpredictable. Just when you think you finally made it out and you had a moment to breathe, well, before you know it, bam, there's another. they're unpredictable. You cannot predict the trials and the trouble of your life. They are going to come. It's, it's hands down, no questions, but you can never fully prepare and determine for when that storm is coming. And they're impartial. Now, that's a big one. They are impartial. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Why is that? Because it's a sinful world. So I want, to, I want somebody else to breathe easy because you're feeling like because you're facing trouble and you're following Jesus and you're living for Christ and you don't understand still why it is that you're facing trouble. You think something is wrong with you. No, it's just, it's inevitable that they're coming. It's unpredictable when it happens and they are impartial. They're going to hit everybody. But here's the beauty of it that I want you to know and write this down is that they are temporary. Every storm has an expiration date on it. 
And there is a purpose behind it. There is a reason for it. And today, that's where I want us to spend our time, on learning how to deal with trouble that brings storms in our life and how we deal with it. So take your outline and go to Mark chapter 4. It's on the top there. Put this, this uh, verse there. And this is where we're going to start today with the story. If you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard this, the story of, of Jesus and the disciples in the boat. If you haven't, very easy story to catch on. But look at verse 35 with me. And it says this. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, all right, Jesus speaking, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So verse 36, so they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. So you got the paparazzi. You got people always trying to get up in Jesus' business. He can't even get away. They're following him. That's the picture we're painting here. And then something happens in verse 37 that changes everything. It says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Now, that is a drastic turn of events, and I think it takes a moment for us to sink that in. First of all, I want us to understand something. Jesus is with the disciples in person. Jesus is literally hanging out with them in the flesh, talking to them face to face. Now, they have this relationship with Jesus that they've trusted him with their life. They've left their homes, they've left their families, they've left their businesses. They have sacrificed everything to follow him because they believed in his message, they believed in his purpose, and they believed that he was the Son of God. So when Jesus says, hey, let's get in this boat and let's travel to the other side of the lake, there is no, there's no pause here. There's no questioning here. Literally, they said they got in the boat, they took Jesus, and they left the crowds. They were being obedient. They didn't say, Jesus, why don't we wait till morning? They didn't say, Jesus, can we get a weather alert? They didn't say, hey, Jesus, do we make sure we've got all of our supplies? We've got all the paddles. We've got our life vest. Hey, we have our fishing poles just in case we want to stop and fish. Nothing. Jesus said, get in the boat. Let's go. They got in the boat, took Jesus with them, and they went. And immediately after their act of obedience, verse 37, but soon afterwards, a fierce storm came to them. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, hey, Jesus, you, nothing is hidden from you. You know everything. And you let us get in this boat for a storm to come? And not just a storm, but a fierce storm. One that is so bad that the waves are rising, they're crashing into the boat, and the boat is filling up with water. And there they are in the presence of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about trouble in my life and being a Christ follower, a believer, living an obedient life to Christ, we say this all the time around here. Obedience opens the door to what? To blessing. When we're obedient, God blesses us. Yet we find in this passage of Scripture, as soon as they are obedient, what do they get in return? A fierce storm that is threatening to take their life. And I know that for many of us, as followers of Christ, when trouble comes, it is difficult to try to navigate the thoughts of, well, Jesus, you said, but this is what happened. Jesus, I did, but the opposite took place. How do we walk gracefully through the troubles and the storms of life? I want to give you three ways. The first is this. Write this one down. Don't panic. Don't panic. Number one response of all of us, panic. Trouble's here. We're about to die. We're panicking here. Notice what was happening with the disciples. I love this in verse 38. It says, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Now, I think this is great 
because they want us to know. They went to enough trouble to say, not only is Jesus asleep, but he's comfortable. I want it to be said and known that Jesus has a nice, cushioned pillow under his head. He is snoring and he is drooling. I figured they wrote that, but Jesus was like, no, guys, that's too much. Take that out. You can leave the pillow, but take the rest out. Jesus is out. He is conked out. And I question this. This this is me. Maybe not you. Maybe you're a little more hospitable than I am. But why is Jesus sleeping? Why are they rowing the boat? Was it not his idea to get in the boat to go and sail? So why did Jesus get in the boat? That's like me saying, hey, you want to come to my house for dinner? And you say, yeah, cool. You bring the meal and I'll eat your food at my table. I mean, that's what that's like. So not only are they being obedient to Jesus, suddenly they find themselves doing the hard work. Jesus is asleep in the boat with a pillow on his head. And then it says this, the disciples woke him up shouting, teachers, don't you care? Hey, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? Panic sets in. The one thing that we thought we could rely on with every ounce that we had has suddenly deserted us. Right in the middle of me giving everything I've got to you, Lord. I trusted you. I got in your boat. I'm rowing the boat for you. That's how committed we are to this. And we're about to die. And you're sleeping. Do you not care about us? They just left the crowds. You know what they were doing when they were with the crowds? They were doing miracles. They just watched Jesus perform miracles for the lives of others. Can I tell you that when you get in an environment where there are storms and trouble in your life, And if you're not listening carefully to the voice of the Lord and you begin to look around at everybody else and you see the miracles that Jesus is performing for everybody else and yet you're sitting in your boat going, do you not care about me? What did I do wrong? What am I missing? Do I not matter? Jesus, don't you care about me? Don't panic. Listen to what the Bible says. Put on your outline, Isaiah 41 and 10. Don't panic. I am with you. Listen, there's no need to fear, for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. Don't panic. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady, and I will keep a firm grip on you. Don't you know that when your boat is sinking, when water is filling up the boat, when the waves are crashing in on your life, it is important to realize, don't panic. Don't lose sight yet. He's got me. He's holding on to me. Jesus has me by the hand. This morning, I'm just telling you, wherever you are, don't panic. In the midst of the trouble that we are piling up, that we are hoarding in our life, in every area that we are worried about, that we are afraid of, and I'm not saying that there's not real trouble. I'm not saying there's not real waves. I'm not saying the boat is not filling with water. I'm just saying don't let your initial result cause you to panic. Because number two, when you panic, this is what you don't do, you don't bail. Don't bail. When panic sets in, we start to bail. Listen at verse 39 and 40. When Jesus woke up, when? I don't know, but it said when he woke up, this is what happened. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence be still. Suddenly, in a moment, as soon as he spoke, suddenly, The wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Verse 40, Then he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
And at that point, I am ticked off. Now, listen, some of you, you're like, what? But let's be honest. Don't be churchy today. You're in the boat. You're about to die. Jesus is napping. He wakes up, performs a miracle, and goes, what's wrong, guys? Why are you afraid? And you're sweating. Come on, your heart's racing. You're about to have a heart attack, and he wants to know what's wrong with you. Like, why are you afraid? Jesus, first of all, we need to talk. I'm paddling. You're sleeping. Storm's here. You brought me out here, and now you want to ask me what's wrong? Like, what are we doing here? Panic. Panic sets in. So when panic is there, I'm going to bail out of this thing. Listen, when you are following Jesus and panic has set in your life and you can't make sense of the storm, you naturally say, well, I'm just going to bail out. Listen, as a pastor, I have a unique perspective. I have this lens that I can see a lot into the lives of people. And I can tell you one common denominator, regardless of whatever circumstance I see people facing in their life, I can tell you the number one sign that there's trouble in their life, I will not see you anymore. I can see you every week, and then as soon as I do not see you, I know trouble's in your life. Now, that's not what you say. You say, or we tell people, well, I've just been busy. Well, I'm working a lot. Well, my kids are crazy. Well, I don't feel well. I this or I that. But as soon as it all unfolds, I can tell you very confidently, 90% of the time, there was a storm in their life. They began to panic, and soon they bailed out on the very thing that we should have been holding on to. And we did it because we said, Jesus, we're in the boat, we're about to drown, and you're doing nothing. And I see everybody else, they're doing well. And if that pastor tells me one more time how good God is, I'm going to have to stand up after the message and just punch him in the teeth. Like, you just feel that way. Let's be real. There's times in our life where we say, I don't want you to pray for me, I don't want you to quote me one more verse. I want you to do something about it or get out of my face. And that's what, come on, we've all been there. If you've faced trouble, you've been to that moment of panic and ready to jump ship because you're dealing with so much worry, so much pressure, so much trouble. Fear sets in. Look what the Bible says, Isaiah 40 and 31. Many of you, if you've not even been in church, you've seen this on like a graduation card or a, or a, or a bookmark with a big eagle on it. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength they will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Why is this important? Because Jesus, what, what, what did he say to him? Jesus says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And listen to what the Bible says. Those who trust in the Lord, those whose faith is placed in him, they will find new strength. Now some of us, we get real excited when we hear that, but let me, let me bring this into reality the only reason you need new strength is because your old strength is gone. The only reason you need a blessing of new strength in your life is because the old strength is gone. You've used it. It has run out. It has hit its expiration date. And in order for you to live another day and stay faithful, you need a supply of brand new strength. And the only source of that strength is from trusting in the Lord. Do not bail. I'm telling you to trust in the Lord. Give it all you have. One more day, one more moment, one more minute. But how do you do it? How do you get there? Number three, here's where we'll finish this up. You don't forget. Don't forget. Don't panic, don't bail, and don't forget. Verse 40, 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. They were. They were with Jesus, but... 
they were terrified. Rightfully so, they were fearful for their life. And they asked themselves this question, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? The man that they're questioning is the very man that they believed with everything they had that he was the son of God. That's why they left their homes, their businesses, and their lives. They believed it. It's the very same man that they had just saw perform miracles that only God could do in the lives of other people. They were in the presence of God, with the presence of God, experiencing the presence of God, yet the question on their mind in that moment of fear and terror is, who is this man? Sometimes, church, when you can't remember who God is, you have to remember who he was. And when I look back at what God has done, it gives me great confidence in what God is going to do. And when I look in my rearview mirror and I say, I didn't deserve it then, and I thought I was going to die then, and I thought that I would have drowned in the storm, somehow, when it was time, Jesus woke up and he spoke peace to my situation, and I experienced the calm, and today I stand here because of the miracles that Jesus did then. And I know that if he did it then, he will do it again today. Listen to what the Bible says, John 14 and 18, on your outline. I will not abandon you. Put that on your phone. Put it on your rearview mirror. Put it on your refrigerator. And remind yourself, he said, I will not abandon you or leave you as orphans where? In the storm. When the storm is here, when trouble has come, I won't abandon you. I'm not going to leave you like an orphan out in the storm. What will happen? I will come to you. And church, I, I can tell you, storms are going to come. It's inevitable to every one of us. Unfortunately, we live in a sin-fallen world, and it is a part of the journey that you and I will face. There'll be trouble that I cause myself. There will be trouble that you will cause for me. And there'll be trouble in the midst of our circumstances that are out of our control. But when they come, not if, but when, as long as panic doesn't overtake me to the point that I bail out and give up, and as long as I remember who he is and what he's done, I will be reminded of what he will do for me again. Now, I can't tell you how long Jesus was asleep before he woke up. Bible doesn't tell us. I can't tell you how high the waves got. I can't tell you how deep the water got in the boat. But I can tell you that when it was time, Jesus woke up and he spoke peace. He may be late, but he's always on time. It's like the story of Lazarus. Some of you know that story. A guy died. They were begging Jesus to come when he was sick and alive to perform a miracle. Yet Jesus showed up four days after he'd been buried. I love the King James Version. It says, for he stinketh. I love that. Not he stinks, he stinketh. The guy in the grave, he's been dead so long, he stinks. And Jesus rolls into town like he's going to have this warm reception. And they're going, well, Jesus, that's been great. Good to see you, but could have used you a few days ago. But what does Jesus do? He walks up to the man that stinketh. He speaks. The stone is rolled away, and out comes this man, completely healed. They literally say, take your grave clothes off. He comes out wrapped up like a mummy. 
Listen, it doesn't matter when Jesus shows up. The point is that he shows up. And so today, I wish I could tell you when the trouble was going to expire. I wish I could tell you today when Jesus was going to show up. I wish I could tell you when that relationship would be reconciled. I wish I could tell you when the hurt is going to go away. I wish I could tell you when the whole storm is going to calm. But I can't tell you any of that. But I can tell you as long as Jesus remains in your boat and you don't bail out, peace be still is on the way because he is faithful to what his word says he will do. So I want to pray for you today. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. And If you're our guest today and you're in this room, nothing weird or funny is going to happen. Our band's going to come back and play softly, and I just want to pray for you. If you're watching by the internet or listening by a podcast, I just encourage you, wherever you are, don't let this moment be a distraction. But wherever you are, let, let God speak to you right here for this moment. And here's my prayer for us today, church, is, is that I know, I have no question, I have no doubt that some of us are dealing with some storms in our life. And as a result, we're just hoarding this trouble. And we don't know what to do with it. Maybe we put it in a pile over here and we think, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that one soon enough, but I've got to tackle this one first. And before you know it, in every environment of your life, there's just piles of trouble everywhere. You've been dealing with the storms and you, you're really close. You're in panic mode and you're, you're, you're close to just bailing out. But today is a beautiful reminder of who God is and what he's done. And so I want to pray for us that God would help us carry whatever the load is that we're carrying today. He said that if you just cast your cares on me, he said they're heavy for us, but they're light for him. He'll take them because he loves us that much. And that's what we're going to do today. But maybe you're here and you've never even said yes to Jesus. You, you haven't even let Jesus in your boat yet. You're in that boat by yourself. And maybe you're thinking today, well, I would take Jesus even if he was asleep. I just need Jesus in my boat. Today, maybe you need to make a decision to make Jesus number one in your life. And I want to pray for you. And I encourage you. Last week, two people said yes to Jesus. Don't miss it. Today, this is your chance. So, Father, right now, we admit we sin, we mess it up, we cause barriers in our relationship with you. That's what sin does. And so today we're asking you forgiveness of that sin. We want to learn what it means to love you and to live for you. So today I give you my life. I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. And I accept that forgiveness today. And in return, we give you our life. And we put you in the number one spot. So we'll follow you and live for you. And Jesus, we pray for every person with a need today, which is piles of trouble in our life. We've tried it our own way, and it's caused us just to pile more. We've let it pile up to the point to we're in panic mode. We're ready to bail out. But we're asking today for another sober reminder, Jesus, of how good you are and how faithful you are. Forgive us for all the times that we lost confidence because we thought you were sleeping.
But in reality, you were just waiting for the right moment to reveal to us who you are. If not for that storm, we would have never known the faith that we needed to carry out our purpose. Thank you for giving that to us, Jesus. And we honor you and love you and thank you for every miracle that's going to take place in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Can we honor the Lord together? Can we do that this morning?